Hi there, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm your host, Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Carrie Hannon. If you missed any part of it, it'll be up on my show blog within an hour after the show. Uh, standing by with me is Kevin Suris, and I met him at TEDxOC a couple weeks ago. Great event at Soka University. He's an innovator, entrepreneur, and CEO of AppVance, and he's joining me this morning. Good morning, Kevin. Hi, good morning, Janine. Thanks for calling in. Absolutely. I love the quote in the TEDx uh, brochure. It says, um, humans can choose to invent, contribute, execute, and master many fields, all in one lifetime or not. Was that your quote? Yes. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Your speech at TEDx OC, talking about we're in the next human renaissance, was very intriguing. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, the idea <clears throat> is that um, we've been replacing certain, cer- certain human tasks with robots, certainly in factories and automation, for, for now for about 50 years. The first industrial robot was installed in 1961, so mm-hmm. it's been quite a while. But something has happened of late that, that people need to be aware of. Um, uh, the processor power, of course, has continued to march forward with Moore's Law that people probably have heard before, which is processors double every 12 to 18 months. Uh, but, but the cost of producing extremely fast processing and computing horsepower has dropped precipitously with a billion smartphones out there. Also, sensors, which used to be very complex, just a few years ago, really MEMS, something called a MEMS device was invented. And now your phone can have five or six or seven different kinds of sensors. And a gyroscope that used to be $1,600 just a decade ago is now $2.00. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. So if sensors drop and the cost of access to data has dropped to near zero in terms of cost, our access to getting data from the web, and uh, the cost of processors drops, what that says is you can build extremely intelligent robots, humanoid robots, other things if you want to call them that, mm-hmm. uh, 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 at, at a rate that, that could not be affordable years ago. So just 10 years ago, to have a relatively smart thing, let's call it that, was going to be a million dollars. And we can see a time over the next 10 years where that's a few thousand dollars. And that starts to say what happens when we replace waiters and waitresses, because that's four and a half million workers in this country. I know. They, they can deliver the meal to your table. You order it. You already can order it at your table on many restaurants. They have a, pa- a tablet there. Mm-hmm. You can pay for it at your table. Just those things eliminated 40% of, of the waiter-waitress work. And the other 60% is delivering the meal to your table. And, uh, you know, already we see, we see towel butlers, automated towel butlers in hotels. Yes. They get on the elevator, go to the third floor, you know, ride themselves to your room, open their top, and give you a towel. Unbelievable. It's here today. A lot of hotels have it. Yeah. So you can imagine combining just those two things that are already available and your cost of labor at a restaurant goes to zero. Mm-hmm. No, we're not talking about the fanciest French restaurant, uh, but an Applebee's and a Chili's and these sorts of more or less faster food where 80% of their cost is the labor. You know, someone's going to decide to eliminate that cost. And lastly, down this vein, the, the response so far from customers who at least have table-side ordering are they happier than when they had to give their order to a human? Yeah. So it's not that we're creating unhappy customers. The customers are happier, yes. uh, but, but there will be millions of jobs that, that, that are lost to that. And we can go down industry by industry 
and all the way up the line to doctors and, and see how in the next 30, 40, 50 years they'll be usurped by uh, computers and software and robots and other things. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting because when you think when people get out of college or they're in high school and they're looking for their first job, a lot of their jobs won't be around anymore. Exactly. Uh, you know, I had people after that talk come up to me and say, what do I tell my kids to study? Yeah. So, you know, traditionally you'd say, well, go into technology. That's a growing field. Of course, technology is, is still a growing field. Mm-hmm. But we are not very far away from where computers can begin to do a lot of our coding work for us. So today, if you're a Java coder or a C-sharp coder, you're in great demand worldwide. I can't say that would be the case 20 years from now. Uh, You know, in in the semiconductor field, when we make chips, uh, about uh, now 15 or 20 years ago, we invented a language called VHDL. And uh, what's important about that is we went from having chip designers to chip describers. Mm -hmm. If you could describe the behavior you wanted, VHDL and, and, and computers and software would lay out that chip for you. So gone were the days of humans laying them out. Well, it's good because we now make chips with millions and millions and millions of transistors on them. It was beginning to be overwhelming for a human to do that. So you can imagine a day when instead of you know three guys or three people graduating from Stanford and going out and writing some new app for the phone, that any of us will be able to describe what we want an app to do in some simple language, mm-hmm. and a computer will write all of the software for us, and we'll have our app 15 minutes later, and it'll just work. Right. That is not in the distant future when you have things like Watson winning Jeopardy now three years ago. Right, right. Let me ask you, let me back up a second, what do you do at AppVance? It's a great question. It, 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 it's, uh, it, you know, it looks like a technical description when, uh, when you put it on your website, etc. Mm-hmm. But here's how I can best describe it. When people go to Amazon today, and, and, and I am sure most of your listeners shop, all of your listeners shop online somewhere, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you go to Amazon, Amazon has a real focus on getting you a response to any query in about 100 milliseconds or less. That's a tenth of a second. Oh. <clears throat> it's very fast. And if you notice when you use an Amazon app on your phone or you're online, it's very fast. People do not complain that they're waiting and waiting and waiting and the clock is ticking and all of that. Yes. So they have spent a lot of money and time simulating users on their applications and on their systems to, to surface bottlenecks and then address those bottlenecks in their code and in their architecture. Google does the same. Facebook does the same. We can go down, Twitter does the same. And we can go down the line and look at people who do this very, very well. Mm-hmm. Then you go to some other retail. I'll just pick on retail. I'm not going to pick on a particular company, but there are many retail stores you go to online or other sites or apps your, our, all of us use, your listeners use, that respond in 10 seconds. Well, and we've all seen that. The little thing ticks and you're waiting. It says, please wait a moment. And you're waiting and waiting. Half the audience, half of your customers leave in less than 10 seconds. They've right. left the site. And you know where they've gone? They've gone to Amazon. Because right. if Amazon can have the biggest store in the universe with whatever it is, 25 million uh, SKUs, and, 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 and respond in 100 milliseconds, I'm thinking some other store with just a 1,000 items, should be able to respond at least as fast or faster. Exactly. However, they have failed to test all the way from the beginning to the end. That is, from where the user experiences their store 
to the very end of the database and how everything gets get get gets sorted and 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 responded to. Mm-hmm. And so um, they don't know what their response rates are, or they don't know what to do with them. They don't know what to do about them. What AppVance does is make technology to simulate thousands or millions of users before you launch your software and before you update your software, which often gets updated every day. Your stores get updated every day. Mm-hmm. So you want to know when you introduce bottlenecks in and you want to continue to take them out. It's what Amazon does. It's what the best of breed does. And the other 99% of websites and apps and stores don't do it. Wow, that's really interesting because I, I didn't know what you did. It's, uh, now you do. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> and, it, and it's good for everybody. You know, I, I like to say Google set the bar very high. Mm-hmm. They can search the entire web, which is billions and billions of pages, and give you an answer in a hundred, you know, well under a hundredth of a second, or, or well, or, well, well under, excuse me, a tenth of a second, a hundred milliseconds, often 50 milliseconds or less. Mm-hmm. And if they can do that, it's the biggest database in the world, and they give you an answer in, 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 in a tenth of a second, I'm thinking... Everybody else can, too, mm-hmm. but Google has figured out how to test this, and they test with software that's, frankly, similar to ours. So we offer this testing capability to the world now, and if the world, uh, uh, if everybody woke up to it, everybody would have those kind of response rates. Let me back up a second. The theme of this show is Get the Funk Out, and did you always know this was your passion, or did you go through a low point where you said, you know, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> I have been so blessed to never worry about what I'm going to do with my life. I've, I've been in technology uh, uh, since 1985 mm-hmm. uh, in Silicon Valley, and, and I've always had uh, uh, great opportunities to work on technology. Before this company, I ran a company called Serious Materials. We created technology to make buildings energy efficient, software mm-hmm. and drywall, some drywall products called Quiet Rock. Uh, uh, windows that were, were highly energy efficient. We retrofitted the Empire State Building, every single window, 6,546 windows, 26,000 panes of glass. Mm. Uh, we did the New York Stock Exchange and 70,000 other projects. Uh, and I had great passion around that because we saved billions of pounds of CO2 a year off of their, their energy usage, saving the Empire State Building alone over 400000 a year. Fantastic. That was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you about some of these projects you did. I noticed Empire State Building. Wow. And it seems like there was like a domino effect of more and more interesting things that you've done. Well, you know, uh, again, I think... Um, as I said, in, in, in fact, as you said in your opening statement, right, we as humans are really given so much capability to utilize our minds in so many different ways. And, and, you know, truthfully, many of us don't. We get stuck in a job, and we go do our job, and we do our eight hours a day, and then we come home, and then we have our dinner, and then we go to sleep, and we live that way for most of our life, and then at 67, we have a heart attack and die. That doesn't seem like a yeah. life. What a positive Monday, yes. Yeah, well, well, when, when, you can, when all humans are capable of so much more. Now, what does so much more mean to any other person? Some, some people it's dance. Some people it's music. Some people wanted to, always wanted to learn to play guitar. They die never, never having learned. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, go take lessons. Learn. It's not that hard. You, yeah. Everyone can do something creative. Some people always wanted to paint. And they go, boy, I wish I had learned to paint. Well, why didn't you learn to paint? It, it's not that hard to do. That's right. You can take lessons, not take lessons, learn on the web, watch YouTube videos, 
um, you know, I always wanted to impact in the environment when I under, especially after I understood what what we had done from a, a climate change perspective. And yes, I know there'll be some some listeners who are non-believers, and I and I and I respect that. Although the science is quite clear, and then, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and and, and 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 so if you can impact many things in your life, uh, boy, I hope everybody gets to experience all of those. And you know, if I uh, when I talk on stage about this particular subject, I, I about robots and having most human jobs obsolete by 2064, the real message is about a new renaissance. And yes. and the original renaissance, people, it was a, an awakening where people said, "Wow, art." music, dance, science. Mm-hmm. We can think, we can invent, we can look at the stars and dream of how we'll go there someday. And, and, and there was a great awakening that there was more to life than toil. Yes. And I'm hoping that the coming age of robots doesn't scare people. And I can understand, you know, if you're working in a factory, you know, in Detroit right now, you're scared. You're going, my job's going to be taken over by a robot. I know it. I can see it. If you're in China making iPhones right now, there's 400,000 people making them. There will probably be 40,000 10 years from now mm-hmm. making more of them, but less people. Why? Because automation is finally cheaper than even wages in China. Right. So that's a tipping point. But, but the opportunity is that computers will never have the human brain's creativity uh, uniqueness, ability to think out of the box. Yes. You know, any software can only think within the box it was programmed to think in. It will always be the case. And, and uh, human synapse can fire in so many different directions that, that, you know, we're not even capable of understanding them all. So what an opportunity to open our minds and say, wow, what can I do that's creative? By the way, radio show host, very creative, very creative. Yes. Could be done by a robot, not as interesting. Wouldn't be, no. Wouldn't no. be as interesting. So that's a, that's a creative outlet that you get to do every day, which right. is fantastic, and I'm sure you love the job. I, I, you know, and I was thinking recently why I became intrigued in radio, and it all stems from being a teenager in my room listening to DJs. Isn't that great? Yeah, and then the personalities, because now a lot of stations are replaced by podcast shows, pre-recorded, voice-tracked I know. shows. I know, and, 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 and it loses all of its live feel. It lo- you know, the, there's nothing like the call-in and you don't know what the guest is going to say, yes. and you've got to have a five-second delay in case uh, he doesn't pronounce the title of your show correctly. You right, <laughs> or he has potty mouth. <laughs> exactly, and, and it happens. So, so there, there's something fantastic about live radio that's totally different than a podcast. Oh, I agree. Uh, and, and so these kinds of creative jobs, I hope, will flourish, including a reawakening of music. You know, mm-hmm. this, arguably, all of society has lost its way in music. And this is with all due respect to the music that people are listening to today. But, but, but the, the great breadth of music yes. that has been created over the ages, from, from jazz to classical to, you know, uh, to, to Far East and the kinds of music that they, you know, invented for thousands of years mm-hmm. uh, that are really lost to, you know, whatever hip-hop and R&B and whatever the charts are today that, that I don't necessarily listen to every day but, but are, selling, are selling records. Uh, uh, so a great awakening would include a reawakening of all of the old music genres that we had and, and, and people creating more around that and people getting back to dance. I mean, humans have danced for thousands of years. Right. And how come now, you know, dancing with the stars aside, you know, just you don't see a lot of humans dancing in the streets except for the occasional flash mob. I agree. So, 
Kevin, so, Kevin, excuse me. I want to share a quote with you. I hate yeah. to interrupt you, but I want to share. <coughs> I was taking notes uh, when you were speaking at TEDx, and I love what you said about the first renaissance and awakening of the human spirit, opening our hearts and our minds. But you said, go back and go back to school and think about what you were thinking before you were told you had to earn a living. Exactly. I so love that. That's, that's a, uh, a Buckminster Fuller quote mm-hmm. uh, that I borrowed from him and gave him credit. But, but he said, why is it that humans uh, continue to invent more drudgery for themselves? And, and I, you know, look at that and say, you know, we've put ourselves in a form of bondage, a form of slavery around work. And we think that that's what life's about. In fact, we define ourselves that way. One of the examples I used was uh, uh, Jesus' father is called Joseph the carpenter. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know what else he did. Was it Joseph the smiling man? Was yes. it Joseph the dance? No, it's Joseph the carpenter. That's what he, we You know, so when people come up to Janine and say, hey, what do you do? I host the radio program, mm-hmm. I, which is great, but you are probably much more than that as a human. Yes. We all are, but we've come to define ourselves by the jobs we do. And, and when you realize that, you go, wow, that's kind of a form of slavery. That's not... It's not me. That's not how I define myself. It's one of many things I may choose to do in this life. Some of the jobs we do, we don't even like. That's true. And I, I was reading your bio, and you're also a music director, producer, arranger, percussionist. I mean, wow, you're, people probably don't know that about you. <laughs> people don't know that about me. Do you, it's a funny, funny thing about, I want to say, 10 or 15 years ago, there's an article published in one of the business journals, and, and the, it was on me, and the headline was Renaissance Man. I have to find that article. I haven't seen okay. it in years. <clears throat> and uh, it was about uh, a technology guy who's done tech companies and led tech companies and invented tech companies and has 24 patents and also writes and directs music. And, uh, and how is it that you can, you know, sort of do both of those and try to save the environment at the same time? Uh, but. Superman. You know, take the, take the <laughs> skills that you're given and, and, and utilize them, uh, you know, throughout life. And this, yes. is, and this is all separate from the love you have for your wife or your spouse or your family, which is equally as important as all of those. And you want to give that time and, 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 and love and deference as well. Absolutely. Now, were you always a lover of music growing up? Did it first start that you were a percussionist, or is that later on in life? I started playing drums and taking lessons at five years old. I was the youngest uh, uh, student of my uh, drum uh, teacher who who really didn't think he could teach a five-year-old, and God knows probably shouldn't have, but I did want to play drums at an early age, and and, uh, through college got my minor in music, not my major, because I felt one would make more money with an engineering degree than... Mm -hmm. Than a music degree, pro- probably correct on that. Uh, but but uh, uh, sad that you know we we did uh, all of us drive away. This is Bucky Mister Fuller's, Fuller's quote, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we all somewhere in the middle of high school or college realize we have to get a degree in something that will make money, as opposed to the degree in possibly something that we really really wanted to do. What I would have loved to do was study acting and singing. And, oh. and, and, and music, and continue to study that for 20 years and get really, really, really good right. instead of the stuff I did, although I love the things I've done. But think about yourself. And, and if you know, someone had said, don't worry about making a living, you, you know, society will develop ways to, to pay you uh, provided you produce something interesting, and interesting is going to be a broader slate of, slate of things, if 
we are open to a new renaissance. I'm a I'm a prime example of what you're talking about because I went into the training and development field in college because I thought, oh, I have to get a career. I, I and then I wanted to go into TV, radio, and film, but I wasn't as confident. And I thought, oh, I should probably just go to the corporate thing. And yeah. And you ended up in radio because this was my passion. Yeah. See, isn't it isn't it wonderful when we get to pursue our passion? And and, and I've certainly had the opportunity to do that both both. Uh, you know, in my regular career and in my, in my music career. But the vast majority of humans on the planet of six, almost seven billion now, don't get to do that. Right. Um, they are foraging daily for food. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's an awakening to people who step back and go, yeah, you know, the vast majority can barely find a job. And when they do, they're going to hang on to that job. Right. Did, by the way, I don't mean to uh, switch gears, but I'm curious. Did you catch Umi Garrett's performance at TEDx? Were you backstage at the time? Or? I did. I did see it, yes. Mind-blowing. Yes. You know, I think about today's youth, and I was, I was describing to my daughters how she performed, uh, I believe it was a, a Beethoven or Chopin piece, right. and how she performed with anger or joy, or, and it was so interesting. Now, she's 12 or 13, if 13, I remember. 13 um, years old. Uh, yes, years old, and, and uh, uh, really uh, uh, a prodigy. Yes. Um, you know, she has found her passion, mm-hmm. and she is spectacular at it. And you could see the anger in parts of those songs, and you could see the joy in other parts of the songs. I mean, and, 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 you know, the thing about music that, that someone told me many years ago, and they were really right, and this is true whether you're singing or dancing or performing an instrument, is you've got to take the emotion of that portion of the music and project it out uh, uh, all the way to the last person sitting in the last row of that theater. Yes, so true. And when you do that, you capture hearts. It's easy to capture someone's mind. Give mm-hmm. them some data, great. They go, interesting, high IQ, I'm capturing this data, I'm taking notes. It's another thing to capture people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Much harder, much more powerful, and wouldn't it be wonderful if, again, all of human race were tapped into their minds and saying, let's capture people's hearts, let's invent, let's create, let's, let's, let's go to school for 20 years and really learn science at another level or physics at another level. Yes, I know it's a utopia, and yes, people are going to say, how can we ever get there? But we're going to have to get somewhere like that because your job's going to be gone. That's <laughs> so, right. So, so we, we have to go somewhere, and we have to start laying out, uh, uh, I think, some future predictions on what the world looks like 50 years from now. Yes. Any uh, last bit of advice before we wrap up about for people that perhaps are in a funk career-wise? Well, you know, the old adage is if you're in a funk career-wise, you know, you're not the only one. You know, you're together with mm-hmm. mo- most people. <laughs> but pursue your passion. And, and, and if you can't do it for a career, like I said, if you always wanted to play guitar, go learn how to play guitar. It's just not that hard. You can do it. Yes, you're going to dedicate years to it. But, but it'll, it'll balance out the funk you're in in your career. And you may or may not be able to get, I could give career advice, right? But yeah. at least do something that's passionate. You're getting to do that with your life. I get to do it with mine. Many people are doing that. If you can't do it at your daily job, do it outside your job and have some spectacular passion in your life. Yes. Oh, I love it. Kevin, what's your website if people want to find you? Sure, appvance.com. You can uh, go there and at least learn more about AppVance. If one wants to, www.appvance.com. 
And also I have your links. I have Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook up on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure this oh, morning. Oh, thanks for taking the time to call in. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Kevin Suris calling in. And if you missed any part of today's show with Kevin or Carrie Hannon, it'll be up on my show blog within an hour. I'm Janine. That's a wrap for Get the Funk Out. And up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. I'll be back next week. If you want to find out about being a guest on the show, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at KUCI.org. Have a great Monday, everybody.